0: I want to say that I have not uh, spoken with people from the traditions I'm going to mention or about this, about what I'm going to be talking about with people from these other uh, religious traditions. The shooting has remained more present in my moment-to-moment Thoughts, the Parkland, Florida school shooting. Then the others happened. I kept thinking we need to go picket the gun shows that frequent our cities. Or something. Something need to both find new ways to exert pressure on the lobbies that keep our unfortunately two spineless representatives so hobbled and replace those representatives. I think the individuality uh, that one of the readings was going to speak about, it talked about how Americans have become enamored with individuality and that we have lost the sense of cultural and community connection that were part of Native American civilizations and African civilizations and groups of women. And the reading uh, pointed out that it's male dominant, white male dominant inclinations to build things this way, and that—that that hasn't always been true. At least not everywhere. I think it's part that you know, self-actualization, um, making sure that that my needs are met, usually on a sur- superficial surface kind of way and doing everything we can to keep us busy so we don't dredge down into the part that's uncomfortable for us and get to know ourselves so that we break those things that keep us trapped in the same kind of uh, pathologies that our culture teaches us to have. But that national, I think, That orientation is one of the things that contributes to our national fascination with weapons. If I'm out here by myself, then I'm more at risk from everybody that's around me. And if I want to defend what's rightfully mine, I need to have ample security for that I mean all of these things make sense and we certainly don't want other people um, being able to control our rights but we're watching in my personal opinion Most of the rights of our democracy shrink a little bit, while those particular rights are not. The the people most easily recruited for extremist groups like ISIL are those who feel powerless to control anything in their lives and who have been isolated. The young man in the Florida shooting was grieving, probably never fit in, because people said he was quiet and and kept to himself, except that he was also troubled. I mean, there there were a lot of different things that people were saying about the young man. Anyway, he didn't fit in. How do we embrace people that can't find community? Joining ISIL or gangs or groups like that creates a sense of purpose and belonging and conviction that they're acting as an agent of destiny and they're taking control back. That perspective on or relationship with destiny may be rooted a long way back in our human history. Deeply rooted. We may have occasion in our American struggles to become concerned over the apocalyptic notions that certain religious sects try to promote and then sometimes even work to speed along. Apocalypse, for those of us who have grown up in other traditions, is the complete and final destruction of the world, although the word actually means disclosure. It's from Greek, and it means uncovering a revelation, if you will. But it has been equated in our culture and in other religious traditions with the end of the world. Um, we may think that that's singly a Christian interpretation of, of possible future events, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, I want to read some things from uh, Patrick J. Kybert. He is a writer for the National Geographic and sometimes the Los Angeles Times and Mother Jones Magazine. Um, And he wrote these things about some other faiths and their understandings of end times, okay? Zoroaster, 500 years BCE. About not exactly. You know. Taught his followers that someday the world as humans know it will end. Uh, the hu- world as humans know it will end badly. As humans succumb to temptation and become increasingly lawless and deceitful, society will break down. With families splitting up in hatred and slaves brazenly defying nobles. Nature itself will begin to shut down, with the sun becoming smaller and clouds increasing darkening the sky and pelting the land with foul-smelling rain. Crops and trees will wither away. Finally, an army of long-haired demons, who are powerful and most skilled in smiting, will invade from the east. But the menacing horde will be met by another army, one composed of holy warriors, who will engage in one last epic battle to defend goodness and purity, the holy places that the demons have desecrated. That's Zoroastrianism, okay? From Islam, the Hadith, which is a collection of sayings of the prophet Muhammad, describes the events that lead to the end of the world. Natural disasters increase and society undergoes a moral decline that leads to a surge in violence, bloodshed, anarchy, and sexual immorality. A false prophet called uh, Dajal, 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 that's it, Dajal, appears. Dajal just feels way too close to other sounds that I'm hearing a lot. Uh, A false prophet called Dajal appears and fools people into following and worshiping him. As in the Christian end-time story, uh, end story, Jesus, a prophet in the Muslim uh, faith, returns to slay Dajjal and rescue humanity from him. According to the Encyclopedia of Islam, those events eventually are followed by a day of reckoning or a judgment day. Hindus' apocalyptic beliefs are different from other religions because they believe that the universe goes through endless cycles of creation and destruction. In that cycle, three gods, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, all play a role. Brahma is the creator of the universe, uh, while Vishnu preserves it during its existence, and Shiva's job is destroying the universe so that it can be recreated. But before that moment comes, humankind begins a long slide toward materialism and evil. When the situation becomes sufficiently bad, Lord Kalki, the avatar or manifestation of Vishnu appears. Kalki is on horseback and armed with a sword and he punishes the worst wrongdoers before the world ends. According to Kriver, like the Hindus, Buddhists believe that the universe is endlessly recreating at the at the end of cycles called kalpas uh, It's endlessly created at the end of cycles called kalpas, which last from 10 to 15 billion years each. Each kalpa begins with a golden age in which a Buddha or enlightened teacher is living and humans tend to be spiritually enlightened. But the state of enlightenment gradually decreases until ultimately the world is destroyed in fire at the end of the kalpa, According to the 5th century AD Buddhist text, seven suns appear and gradually heat up the earth until finally the planet becomes one mass flame, so consuming that it leaves behind no ashes. End quote. The Mayans did not believe the world was ending December 21st of 2012, as was widely broadcast. Their calendars actually continue with no end. They did believe in in an apocalyptic battle, but thought the divine would step in to restore peace. Um, Their apocalyptic battle came before they thought. By 68 AD, they were gone. Um, but there's psychological evidence that people are more comfortable with a predictable, horrible future than they are with not knowing what's going to happen. You can do a psychological test on somebody, um, get put countdown numbers on the screen before them and tell them that they are going to receive uh, an electric shock, not necessarily at the end of the countdown. They may not receive one at all during the course of the countdown. They may receive one at different times. And their response will be extreme when they unexpectedly receive a shock. If, on the other hand, they are told they will receive a shock at the end of the countdown and they go through the countdown and then they get the shock. The response is not as drastic. We don't care if it's an awful end as long as we can plan for it. And that's been a part of the cultural heritage for millennia. As Unitarian Universalists, we draw from many sources. But one of our, someone who's called the greatest theologian of our tradition for the 20th century, James Luther Adams, concluded that the resources available, both human and divine, warrant our sense of optimism. But we're the agents of destiny. And we can do that with a fatalistic idea, just, just, just bound and determined that this world is going to end in a horrible way and there's nothing we can do about it, or we can do the one thing in front of us that there is to do. We can be present in the moment and try to attend the people that are around us Conversationally. This morning, when we did the chalice lighting, uh, Andrew was incredibly attentive to Ava Kate's needs. He saw she needed the stool and he moved him up. I mean, he saw different things that she needed otherwise and helped her. Nobody told him to do that. When kids have that as an example, that's what they can follow. If they're isolated, if they don't have that, for an example, if they don't have love, if they don't feel like they belong, if they can't be given community, they're going to do something radical. James Luther Adams also concludes that the moral obligation we have a moral obligation to direct our efforts towards establishing a just and loving community now are we willing to believe an optimistic vision there's a new book out and I, I, I think it's called Enlightenment Now. Um, Bill Gates has said it's his favorite read ever.
1: But in this book,
0: they say that the uh, optimism is justified, but not because mystery has anything to do with it or the moral arc of the universe. And I take strong exception to those ideas. But rather because fewer children are dying I mean, fewer mothers are dying in childbirth. The mortality rate is lower, and democracy is coming to more of the world, as maybe we see ours struggle. Um, maybe not. Change is constant. I'm a far cry from the change I want to see in the world, but I want to try every day to move closer to that. And I absolutely believe that ultimately, love wins. I don't have to understand how, and I don't have to know when. But I don't have to buy into the fatalistic vision either. Um, The sources, both human and divine, the resources, both human and divine, puts us in a position of considerable responsibility. We are the ones who are supposed to be able to hold the tension, like I read a little bit ago the inherent worth and dignity of every person. It's a lot for us to learn. And my prayer is that we do exactly that.